As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Why would you not focus on that process? Because every relationship that you have that leads to pretty much every other good thing in your life has come through dot, dot, dot friends. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guests, I want to mention Fund That Flip because Fund That Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on uh, or the main two things are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, a, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt. And uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, So go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and it's a show where we get straight to the good stuff. We cut out all the fluff. We've talked to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and many, many other successful investors, and then also people who are related to real estate investing. And today, we've got a special segment called Skillset Sunday. And uh, with us, we've got the host of The Art of Charm, which is the number one self-help podcast in iTunes, Jordan Harbinger. How you doing, Jordan? Hey, good. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, glad to have you on the show. Jordan is is focused on first, you know, kind of helping others. Uh, in particular, the, the tagline for your show is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. But... I know that you're you're not only 
um, kind of focused on the single guys standpoint because I've done a little bit of research on on your background and your show, and I've I've listened to it myself. I also know that there are kind of some some deeper things that we can talk about as it relates to real estate investors and then also people who aren't guys like women. And in particular, with today's Skillset Sunday episode, we want to focus around introducing people into your network. And clearly, as entrepreneurs, real estate investors, that's super relevant. Um, so by the end of this conversation, we'll have uh, talked to you, best ever listeners, about how to best go about introducing people into your network. So with that being said, Jordan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Yeah, sure. So we teach skills of networking and relationship development. And we have a school in Los Angeles where people come from all over the world to learn those skills. But we also teach them online different skill sets, mostly business and professional networking. We teach online at the Art of Charm. We have a product called Social Capital where people actually learn how to reach out to influencers, network with people within their agency, get jobs or or work better in their current job by creating relationships. So that's that's what we focus on. And it's it's more nuanced than what people are used to. It's not that BS like look people in the eye and shake their hand. Like that that firm handshake stuff is great if you're 17 and you don't know any better. It's not great when you're 35 and you're stagnant in your career and you don't know why. So we get really nuanced with it. Yeah, you, and you you mentioned kind of the the nuanced aspect, and you're you're focusing on that. So I want to drill in there. What what are some aspects of that that are nuanced, and what can we take away from it? Sure. So we talk about things like body language, nonverbal communication, how to read other people's nonverbal communication, body language, building trust, rapport, things like that. That's stuff that you don't get from a book on how to win friends and influence people. Great book, by the way, but you know, not nuanced enough for most people to apply. So our philosophy is kind of this. Look, if this stuff was so easy that you could learn it from a book, everybody would read that book and be done but it's not how it works. It's kind of the difference between reading a book on riding a motorcycle and having a coach show you how to do it and then going on the highway. Which would you rather do before you go on the highway? Practice, learn from somebody who knows what they're doing, or pick up a pamphlet on the subject. You know, So we really get in-depth on that on the Art of Charm podcast and at our programs. So the, the focus of this episode, and this all ties together, I, I believe, is introducing people into your network. So if we were to uh, enhance that skill, if I wanted to introduce many people into my network, and I guess let's assume I don't have a podcast that reach, reaches a whole lot of people, mm-hmm. then how do I approach it? Sure. So we're not talking about introducing people to your network. We're talking about introducing people in your network to each other. And the reason for that is because there's no networking is a kind of a dirty word these days, and it's not done well by most people. They go to these networking events, which are the worst place to meet people because they're full of people that have nothing to offer each other (laughs) at all. Um, And they're full of people who are agenda seeking. And they're just usually people who are looking to quote unquote network. They have their agenda in mind. They're trying to sell something. And that's kind of the end of it. What we do is we teach people how to constantly give generously to other people in their network such that you don't have to worry about asking for what you want because you're constantly, I guess you could call it prepaying it forward, helping so many people get what they want that like the old uh, Brian Tracy or Zig Ziglar quote that you don't have to worry about them, them, them giving you what you want. 
And the key here, one of the sort of nuanced micro skill sets within the skill set of networking and relationship development is introductions. And the way that people do it is typically pretty bad. They do something like this. Hey, Joe, I want you to meet this guy, Jordan. He does a podcast and you should interview him. And then you go, uh, I don't know. I already had Jordan on awkward. And then he looks bad. It's kind of a waste of your time. And it's certainly a waste of mine to be CC'd on that because the person didn't do their homework. I've already been on it. I'll probably just archive that. Right. And it makes that introducer look really foolish because they clearly didn't even bother looking at what you do. And I get this type of thing all of the time. Granted, I have, I'm sort of in the public eye. I've got a, a podcast that a lot of people listen to and a lot of people want to be on, but I, I routinely get things like this and things like, Hey Jordan, you got to interview this guy who I either already had on two years ago or worse, somebody who pitched me and I said, no. And now I'm in this awkward position of just hoping that the other person doesn't reply to the thread because I'm going to sort of assume we'd already worked that out when I replied before and said no. And, it, and it's embarrassing, right? Because the other person goes, yeah, yeah, we already did this. It didn't quite work out. I've got to figure out a way to tiptoe around that subject. And the introducer looks even worse for not having done it. So there's ways around that and the other assorted problems that come with unsolicited introductions, which is the following. It's called the double opt-in introduction. And I'm not sure if we invented it at the Art of Charm, but we've sure been using it for a really long time. And I'm pretty sure we invented the term. And the way that it works is, is like this. I reach out to you. Let's say that we're, we are who we say we are in a third party. Random third party is introducing us, right? Somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, Joe, I know this guy, Jordan Harbinger. He might be a good fit for your show. Would you be interested? Here's a few bullets about him. Here's how I know you if you don't already know who they are. And you say, no, thanks. I've already had Jordan on the show. Crisis averted, right? That person then doesn't introduce two people that already know each other. Now, let's say that you didn't know who I was. You might say, that person might say, hey, Joe, I've got this guy, Jordan Harbinger. Here's a few bullets about him. Here's why I think he might be a good fit for your show. You say, great, that sounds really good. That person doesn't turn around and make the introduction. They turn around and ask me, hey, look, I know you go on a lot of shows. I think you might be a good fit for this guy, Joe Fairless podcast. It would be really fun to see you on there. Here's a few bullets about it. Are you interested? I then have the choice of saying, look, I'm really busy. I can't do it right now. In which case, he will go back to you and say that, not leave it up to me. If I do say yes, then he proceeds to make the introduction between you and I. That way he's got permission from us both. We both know what we're expecting. And then he looks good for having done that. The problem is one of those three steps is usually missing in most introductions. And sometimes it works out fine, but a lot of times it doesn't. And the introducer usually never knows because say he introduces me to you and you already know who I am. Well, I'm probably not going to write him and go, hey, funny thing, I just got introduced to him before and already did his show. I might not bother doing that. And you might not bother either. You might ignore it or you might write back and go, yeah, he was already on the show. So the, both of those outcomes are pretty negative for the introducer and that person loses what we call social capital for doing it wrong. It's really, really easy to do introductions right, it's just that most people don't bother because it is extra work. But I'll tell you this, it's not nearly as much extra work as it is to rebuild the trust and honestly the reputation that you get from making a few bad introductions. 
you know, if, if somebody introduces me to you and we already know each other, it's not the end of the world. I don't think that person's some kind of jack. But if they do it over and over and over, I will. And worse, if I've said no to you or you said you've said no to me, it can start to wear down my trust in that person who's making the introduction. Same thing goes for bad introductions. And, and everyone's had those, too. Right. Hey, Joe, you should have this guy on your show. His name's Mark. He's going to be awesome. And then you talk to that guy and he's a complete waste of your time. The show's unairable. It takes a month and a half to get back to you. Whatever the problem is, it makes not only Mark look bad, but of course, it makes the person who connected you to Mark look bad. Does that make sense? It does. Who's the last person you did the double opt-in intro to, and how'd that go? I mean, it's hard for me to say because I probably make two to three introductions every single day. Um, but I know I just introduced Tucker Max to somebody else. I won't say their name because it doesn't matter. And uh, also, they're a little bit more private than somebody like Tucker Max who's all over the internet. But I introduced him to somebody because he's got a book company Tucker does that publishes books for thought leaders. And this person was looking for that type of service. And I knew this, it's funny you should mention that because this was sort of a modified double opt-in because Tucker had given me permission to get referrals for him for what he's doing ages ago. So I didn't say, Hey Tucker, I've got this guy, Joe, who wants to talk to you about book publishing. I simply made the introduction because worst case scenario, he says, yep, we're already in touch. Thanks for thinking of me. It doesn't make me look that bad because I already had permission from Tucker. And at the time of talking with Joe, he didn't have, and Joe's not his real name. That would be a coincidence. At that time of talking with Joe, he had not already been in touch with him. Had he gotten in touch in the meantime, not the end of the world, doesn't make me look bad, still helping out those two people. And in fact, is a good sign. So there's modifications to it when you have close friends. Like if your brother introduces you to somebody and you already know them or they're not a good fit, you don't think, I got to cut this guy out and not invite him to Thanksgiving. But it, it, and there's also the standing permission, like the Tucker example, where I know he wants to be introduced to these people because it's his business. I don't need to ask permission every single time. But for most people, especially busy people, thought leaders, authors, show hosts, media people, writers, things like that, you should always do the double opt-in, always. With the the standing permission pass, kind of identifying their needs on an ongoing basis so that you know what would be relevant or who would be relevant to, to introduce them to, I mean, if you're doing two to three intros a day, what percentage of those introductions would you say are the standing permission versus you're going back and forth and doing each of those steps? For me personally, I pretty much only do standing permission these days because I'm in the habit of identifying, that's a great question, I'm in the habit of identifying needs right away. It's become kind of second nature to me as an entrepreneur, I hate that word, as a small business owner, as somebody who hosts a show and is also kind of constantly getting introduced. I am always running with standing permission simply because I don't have time to introduce randoms to other people. I only really work within a trusted circle and I may outsource things that are not within that circle to like my assistant or my producer or whoever to do that because I don't want to do the back and forth. But for me, unless it's somebody that's meaningful to me, I probably wouldn't bother unless there's high value in the introduction, 
or I have standing permission. Some exceptions are people that make it really clear that their needs are kind of ever evolving or that they always want permission. Somebody who's always evolving their needs is somebody like Tim Ferriss, if you're familiar with him. I never make intros to him without asking because there's a he moves as fast as I do. So even if I talk to him one day, if the next week he might have gone, oh, I've already kind of explored that, hired someone to do it, ran the experiment, got the results. It's that kind of person. It's that kind of thing. I'm very similar in that I almost always appreciate permission. The only people I give standing permission to are personal friends, close friends of mine, because I get a lot of crappy intros and I ignore all of them. With the being in the habit of identifying needs right away, how do you do that when you meet someone? Sure. So I might say, Hey, Joe, this is a really good opportunity. Thanks so much for having me on your show. What other kind of things are, what's next for you in your business or where are you headed or what kind of things are you looking for? And yes, I asked those exact questions, but to be perfectly honest, the way that it kind of goes with me these days, people tend to tell me what they want without me asking because a lot of the people that interact with us at The Art of Charm, they want to achieve a certain goal with their business or in their life, and they're not usually that shy about asking. So they might say, who else do you think would be a good podcast guest for me because you've interviewed so many people? Or how do I build my business up to this level? Or how did you get so much engagement on Twitter and Facebook? How did you get this? How did you get that? And I go, hey, look, you know, whenever I see somebody who's right in your wheelhouse, I'll make that introduction. And I'll just keep my feelers out for that. But it becomes more of a task than I would like, so I don't do this for everyone. Like I said, I, I only really take and I only really give and receive introductions within a limited circle. And I don't mean a small circle, because that's kind of contra to the entire point of growing your network. But I can't do it for the literally 800 people that email us every day. I can only do it for a handful of, I'm going to guess, high double-digit, low triple-digit folks that are just kind of top of mind. Does this make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or else, you know, as with anybody, if you've got a lot of people reaching out to you, then it's tough to, tough to handle, and there's only so many hours in the day. So identifying who you reach out to and kind of who you connect, I mean, you'd mentioned that you do two to three intros a day. How do you, do you allocate certain times in your day to do it, or does it come up throughout the day where it's in that moment and then you do the introduction? Yeah, these are good questions, actually. I, I, kudos to you on that. I do them in the morning. You sound surprised. <laughs> I am surprised. I get interviewed a lot, and most people ask me the same crap, just to be blunt with it. I'll tell you, I, it's rare that I get asked anything that makes me think, even with two of the brain cells that I've got out of my three <laughs> that, that, that require me to think at all. Yeah, I've got a, a time in the morning when I usually make the introductions. And if something comes up through the day, I don't check my email generally during the middle of the day. But if somebody texts me and says, if, they've, if it's the kind of person who would be able to do that, if somebody texts me and says, hey, who is that guy who did this and this and this for you? Do you remember? I'll make the introduction right then generally because otherwise I'll forget or I'll make a reminder and do it the next time I hit my email if it's that kind of thing. But I generally try to do it in the morning and just kind of bank it. If I'm doing email in the evening, I'll do it then. But generally, I'll check the inbox in the morning, which I know is contrary to a lot of folks advice. Uh, I have my reasons for doing it that way. But 
I'll make the intros in the morning or I'll make them on the weekend and just kind of pile it up and let it rip on the weekend after I get people. Cause it's hard, you know, to do the double opt in. If you're, if that's what I'm doing, it takes time. It doesn't happen instantly. And then if I'm doing standing permission, then I can just kind of fire it off right away. It's clearly a focus of yours to connect others in a way that adds value to their life based on what their, their need states are at that moment. Why is it such an important aspect of your business and how have you seen tangible business results by taking this focus? Yeah, it's something that I focus on a ton and that we focus on a ton at The Art of Charm and not just because we teach it in our social capital program, but because we've built our entire business basically doing this exact same thing. Not just introducing people to each other, but focusing on all the elements of social capital and it's built our entire business. It's gotten every guest for the show. It's gotten, I mean, I shouldn't say every, it's gotten most of the guests for the show. It's gotten many, many, many of our clients at our live training programs. It has definitely gotten us, I mean, I met my girlfriend through things like this. I mean, every relationship that you have, if you look closely at your life, not just your business, but at your whole life, you'll find that you did some of these things right. So we just kind of systemized it instead of just shooting in the dark. Because think about it this way, from a dating angle, people are like, oh, well, I met my girlfriend through friends. That's the vast majority of how people meet. So if you're meeting your significant other through friends, if you're getting into business through friends, if you're X, Y, Z, you know, finding your roommates, whatever, through friends, why would you not focus on that process? Because every relationship that you have that leads to pretty much every other good thing in your life has come through dot, 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 friends. So when you dissect what that means, you look at how people make friends. Proximity. Well, they live on my street. Well, we were in a class together. Okay, fine. But that's limited by nature. So how do we expand that? Well, how are people making friends outside of proximity? And that was where the gold was for us, right? That was, there was a handful of people that we looked at that weren't just friends with the guys in our class. They weren't just friends with the guys on our street. Where did they meet? And when you look at those places where they make relationships, whether it's church or a sports team or an organization that you belong to, friggin' Toastmasters or Freemason, whatever it is that people are doing, you want to maximize that. And then you focus on the ones that are yielding really good results for you. Do you have a, a list or a database of people, like say the top 10 or 20, that you want to make sure that you continue to add value to their life through introductions on an ongoing basis so that, you know, say three months later, you look back and like, oh, shoot, I haven't gotten contact or I haven't helped this person out within this certain amount of time. Or do you just let things flow naturally and, and you don't make a conscious effort of focusing on certain people who you make introductions for? All right. Well, there's, this is a two pronged answer. So I let it flow naturally, but I don't advise others to do the same. What? That's hypocritical. Let me explain. The reason I do it that way is because I can let it flow naturally. And if I don't talk to somebody for eight months or a year, they go, well, it's Jordan Harbinger. He's got a show. He's got a business. It's, it's, visible here and there on the internet. I'm trying not to sound like an arrogant, you know what, but it's obvious that I'm busy doing things. They don't take it personally. And when I reach out to people, it's usually to help them. If I have to keep someone top of mind to try to keep them quote unquote fed, it's highly unusual that I would have that because usually one intro a year that helps somebody out is enough to keep that goodwill going. I don't do it with an agenda of eventually getting help in return, I completely stop keeping score. 
Do you know what I mean by that? I completely yep. stopped thinking about what's going to happen for me. So doing it over time, just kind of letting it hang has been fine. However, if you're just starting this process, try to systemize it more by reaching out to people every couple of months. And the reason for that is because if you don't, and this isn't a habit of yours, it will probably die on the vine. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about as it relates to making introductions to people within your network and and staying in touch and adding value that you want to mention? Yeah, I would say the last thing is follow up and see how your introductions go because what will happen, well, what has happened to me a lot is the following. I get an introduction. Uh, It's not really working out so well or I didn't really do it or the other person flaked. I don't say anything to the introducer because it takes time. So I archive it. The next time an introduction comes in from that same person, you know, maybe I'll reach out again, do that, do my thing again, whatever. And the other person flakes or it doesn't work out. Well, the third time that this happens from that person, I'm just archiving stuff at this point, right? I'm not, I'm not taking this person seriously because it's clear they didn't do their homework. Their connections are garbage. They're not even replying to their email or mine. And it's a waste of time. So if, if you circle back and say, Hey, how did that thing end up where I introduced you to Joe Fairless? And I go, look, he didn't even call me. He didn't answer any of my messages. You know, I don't know what's up with that. Thanks anyway. Now that guy can prune you from his network and not do that anymore because it's making him look bad. If he doesn't circle back around, he might continue introducing even the offender to multiple people. And, (laughs) you know, you know what I'm saying? Like he's just constantly losing social capital by introducing somebody that's just a waste of time or a time waster and a waste of time. And really quick, you've mentioned social capital a couple times. Can you define that for the best ever listeners? Yeah, basically what we mean by social capital is the amount, uh, it's kind of a mixture of goodwill and the idea that you're helping other folks inside your network. It's kind of like cool points and goodwill inside a network. You know, if I introduce you to five people, I've got a lot of social capital when it comes to that, or I've got a lot of great people, my quote unquote network or Rolodex, I've got a lot of social capital. I lose the trust and the hypothetical or metaphorical anyway points, if you will, if I constantly introduce you to people that fail or don't follow through or make me look bad or waste your time, because then you take a lot less faith and you have a lot less trust in anything that I bring your way. So someone with high social capital, I might say, Hey Joe, you should meet this guy, Mark. And you're like, Oh, well, if Jordan's recommending him, that's, I got to do it. That's high social capital. If I say, Hey Joe, you should meet Mark and inside your own head, you're grumbling. Yeah. That's what you said about John. That's what you said about Aaron, both of whom wasted my time, cost me money, didn't reply. No, thanks. That's low social capital. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly because we use the term in a lot of places, but I would say it's synonymous with trust in relationships. Jordan, what's the best ever place the listeners can reach you? Best ever place to look, look, you're listening to a podcast right now. Just search for the Art of Charm podcast or just the Art of Charm. Wherever you're listening to this, you'll find us or you can check us out at theartofcharm.com. Last but not least, I accept emails and I read pretty much everything. Jordan at theartofcharm.com. Jordan, this was a wonderfully enlightening conversation about how to introduce properly, introduce people within our network and give them, give generously to them through the double opt-in introduction that you explained. And then also kind of one of the ways to have that not be as involved is having the standing permission with certain people 
but definitely with more high profile, you want to always do the double opt-in. And um, I think the best ever listeners should definitely go listen to how you explained it in the step-by-step process, the hours that you allocate and why it's such a focus of yours. And then the aspect that you mentioned with the follow-up, we've got to follow up to see if it is a good use of our time to make those introductions because the individuals who we're introducing are actually acting on it. So thank you so much for being on the show and talking through this. And I hope you have a best ever week. Thank you very much. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever.